0: So let's get into our word this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. My message this morning is the cost of following Jesus. The cost of following Jesus. Now I'm going to start a new series on July the 9th. Uh, My series is titled, Questions That Jesus Asked. Uh, You know, every time Jesus spoke, it was on purpose. Uh, He said every, you know, the Bible says every idle word that a man utters, he'll be accountable for it. Jesus never wasted words. If he said it, it meant something. Uh, If he asked something, there was a point to it. And so uh, for the remainder of the summer, we're going to be covering questions that Jesus asked. But this morning, we want to talk about the cost of following Jesus. Matthew 16, 24, probably a scripture that most of us would be familiar with. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, you've heard me say this before, that that choosing to follow Jesus is not an easy thing. Now, Now, some clarification there. Salvation, obviously, is freely provided. It is a gift that is given by God. Uh, freely we receive through grace, by grace, through faith. Uh, it's, it's available, whosoever will let him come. So salvation in and of itself is not really that complicated. We, uh, it, it's a free gift that's offered to everyone. However, the cost of discipleship is great. And, and that's really what we're talking about this morning. See, I, I, I've heard, you've heard me say this before, that, that there are a lot of people today that, that believe that if, that Christianity or matters of faith, are for women and old people. And that if you are somehow a male, and that's why I'm saying that, that it would be wonderful to, to uh, have men restored to the church. Uh, because, uh, you know, there, there's this perception that you're, you're either weak or inept as a man if you follow Jesus. And, and if you've lived by faith any length of time, then you understand the opposite is true. That it really takes, if you're, going to, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, not everybody can do it. I mean, it really takes a man or a woman to be a child of God. Uh, and that's kind of what we want to talk about this morning, is about uh, there is a cost. Salvation is free, it's a free gift given by God uh, that all of us can have, but there is a cost to discipleship. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus started to challenge His listeners, to change the way they thought. He wanted them to change the way they were thinking about being part of the kingdom of God. For instance, if you remember, most of the people at that time believed that because they were descendants of Abraham and Moses, that it somehow automatically provided them a spot in the kingdom of God. Anybody remember reading stuff like that? might cut me down just a tad bit more. So again, get this mindset. Jesus came to teach them a new way of thinking because they were thinking that if if as long as abraham and and moses they were descendants then they didn't really have to worry much about uh, anything else because their heritage gave them a an automatic pass uh, into the kingdom of god jesus made it very clear that that was not the case in fact in matthew 7:21 jesus said not everyone who says to me everybody say not everyone not everyone, not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter into the kingdom but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, so you've heard me share my story before. I grew up in church. My, I grew up in the church. I'm third generation, maybe even more than that, but I know a third generation. My grandfather founded the church I grew up in in Mobile, Alabama. I grew up, by the time I was seven years old, I went to church every time the doors were open. Most of the time they weren't open. We went. My parents, my dad in particular, was a servant. He went to church. He served the church. He worked at the church. He did all kinds of things. And so I grew up in that environment. By the time I was seven years old, I could marry you, bury you, baptize you, or preach you under conviction because I had seen it done all my life. I was called to preach when I was seven. However, that was not, as I became a teenager, that was not what I wanted for my life. In fact, I looked at it as something that was to be shunned and ran from, and which I did. Um, I lived most of my life. If you were to ask me at ten years of age if I was born again, I would have said yes. If you were to ask me at fourteen, when I was in uh, leading into the height of my rebellion, if I was uh, born again, I would have said yes. The reason is because my parents had enough faith. I thought for me, anybody know what I'm talking about? I was trying to live off of my mother and my father. My father, in particular, his faith. And I did not understand that that is not how you do that. See, I was counting on, if you would ask me if I was going to go to heaven, I would say, yes, absolutely. It was in 1985 when, when my faith became real to me. No longer did I try to live off of my parents' faith. I wasn't trying to make a, it wasn't a heritage thing, it was a personal thing. And see, that's really what Jesus is talking about here. He's trying to get them to understand that just because your family is Christian, just because your ancestry is Christian, does not give you an automatic pass to heaven. There's a cost to discipleship. I, I fear that today we have people, good people for the most part. They're good people. And because they are good, they really don't see the need for salvation. Understand that. There are good people. People that, they don't cheat on one another. They don't lie on their taxes. They don't, they don't, they, they just are good, honorable people. But unless they're born again, they'll not enter the kingdom. It's not being good, okay? You know, and, and, and that's, the, that's the challenge in today's world is the first step in, in understanding salvation is recognizing my need for salvation recognizing that even though I might be good and generous and kind and a loving person, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of my life, I'm not going to heaven if the Lord were to come back. It's not in being good. Because the Bible says that my righteousness is as what? It's as as filthy rags. So so again, during the time of Jesus, I, I mean, many of them thought just because that they had the heritage of being descendants of Abraham and Moses, it gave them the past. That's not, Jesus came to correct that. He wanted to change the way they were thinking. And today, we've got people today that think just because I attend church every once in a while, just because I show up at a meeting every once in a while, give a little bit of money in the offering every once in a while, and and, and I'm not in trouble with the law, that somehow that's what's going to get them to heaven. Listen, not true. This is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, in John chapter 3 Jesus told Nicodemus what remember what he said you must be born again I told the early service I was at a breakfast meeting on Thursday with a, about 30 other men in Burleson and uh, we were there and the, the the question came up is how do you know when you're ready and they had been talking about a book that was written way back in the in the 1980s about 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back, you know that that book and 89 reasons why he didn't come back in 88, or whatever it was anyway. They 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 but they asked the question: were were you ready in 1988? I mean, if Jesus would have come back in 1988, would you have been ready? And which led to the discussion about what does it mean to be ready? And so I sat there and I listened to I listened to this group of guys and and, and they start, you know, talking and saying all this stuff. And finally, I, I, I just, I said, guys, let, let me just tell you, Jesus said it best, you must be born again. I said, if you're not born again, I don't care what you're doing to be ready, you're not ready. We've got people that busy themselves with busyness, but unless they are born again, they're not ready. And you see, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to teach them a new way of thinking. He came with a different message. Again, read the Gospels. When Jesus spoke, the Bible says that they were intrigued and and mesmerized by the message of Jesus because he spoke not like everybody else. See, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elites of the day, they were speaking an impotent message that did not have the ability to change anything. And Jesus came along with a different message. He spoke. When he spoke, it was life. It was life-changing. They they hung on his words. He spoke words that that, that if they grabbed hold of it, it would change their life forever. I mean, his words contained power to transform their lives. And and, and those who took it to heart, they were never the same. I, I love reading about Jesus in the Gospels because everywhere Jesus went, multitudes followed. I mean, you want to talk about you know, growing a crowd, just get Jesus to show up. I, I, I kind of gave this question out this morning. What would it be if we had a new way of coming to church? And, and, and that is the mindset is that we're coming to church believing that Jesus is going to meet us here. You see, because wherever Jesus went, crowds followed him. Why? Because you knew something was going to happen. The Bible says about Jesus that he went about doing he went about doing good. Everywhere Jesus showed up, you knew something was going to happen something incredible, something supernatural. What if we decided to go to church where the Bible says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst? What if we decided that, you know what, Jesus is here today. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my expectation that he's going to do something because when he shows up, they never knew what he was going to do. He spoke words, they hung on every word he said, it was exciting. I mean, again, the religious establishment of the day, they offered an impotent message that led to bondage and despair. But Jesus came along preaching a message that brought joy and freedom and peace. It was totally different. He went about doing good. I mean, He was healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding everybody with fish sandwiches on the seacoast of Galilee. I mean, man, it was exciting. Jesus showed up. You knew it was going to happen. And as long as Jesus was doing that, as long as he was healing the sick and raising the dead and and opening blind eyes and deaf ears and the lame are walking and the dumb are talking and he's giving everybody McFish sandwiches, as long as he was doing that, everybody wanted to be around him. Everybody wanted to be around him. But then one day, Jesus got up and he said this, if anyone will come after me, if anybody wants to be my disciple, if you really want to be part of my family, if you really want to be like me, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And when he started preaching that kind of message, listen to me, the people bailed out. This, this is not the kind of message that, that you would want to preach if you were going to interview for a church to be their pastor. Because it lost him, his crowd, and it will lose our crowd today because nobody wants to hear a message of self-denial. Nobody wants to hear a message today that says we pick up our cross and we don't want to follow Jesus. We want to follow our celebrities and we want to follow our superstars. But Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to understand there is a cost. Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. See, all of a sudden this same Jesus that was so positive in their mind who was so different than everybody else. uh, All of a sudden, this same Jesus turned negative in their mind. All of a sudden, there weren't any more rabbits being pulled out of the miracle hat, and, and there weren't any more free sandwiches being given out. All of a sudden, he was saying, look, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And they didn't want to hear it, and they turned and tucked tail, and they walked away. They left him. He lost his crowd because he said, if you truly want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself... Take up your cross and follow me. And the truth is, not much has changed. Not much has changed. There are many people today that still walk into church and they want the show. They come in and they say, okay, preacher, move me. Come on, worship team, inspire me. Get some doodads up and down my spine. Make me feel good. I still want, they still want the show, they walk in, they want to feel good, they, they want the God bumps running up and down their spine, they, they want to tap their foot and clap their hands, and they want to hear how they're the apple of God's eye, and that He loves them, and, and that they'll never have another problem a day in their life. Listen, all of this is true, but the reality is we've got a lot of people today that want, They want the fluff without the stuff. I want the fluff without the stuff. I told the early church, I said, the problem with Western church today is that most people's faith is a mile wide and it's an inch deep. It's such a surface level. See, that was what was happening with Jesus. You know, they, they wanted to be around the excitement. Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, I love, I love to feel God. I love the tangible presence of the Lord that, that just does something to you. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said, look, if you're going to be my disciple, it's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be deeper than that. They, they, listen, th- this crowd here that Jesus was talking to, they, they didn't want to hear about sacrifice. They didn't want to hear about forgiving others and serving in ministry. They wanted to feel good. They wanted to have a good time. And boy, you better not start talking about the true price of discipleship because they'll walk out. And there are people today that will do the same thing. When you start laying it on the line saying, look, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus this is what it's going to cost you. We don't want to hear that today. Again, I love to feel God. I love the presence of God. I love to sense that overwhelming presence of God. There are times in worship where tears will stream down my face. I'm caught up in that moment of worship. You know, because I start thinking about, he's been good to me. Listen, the truth is, I don't deserve anything that he's ever done for me. But because of his great love for me, he's showered me with blessings. He showered me with life. Each one of us would be the same way if we stopped and thought about, I'm not here because of my brilliance. I'm not here because of of my charisma. I'm not here because of this. I'm here because of the grace of God. That's it. Sometimes in worship, I get overwhelmed and I just, I love that, that presence. But hear me, church. Our faith has to be deeper than just emotional stimuli. It has to be deeper than that. See, the reality is there will be times in your life when emotions will not carry you through the dark hours of life. If you've not experienced that, hang on because you will. There are times when the emotions are not going to carry you through the dark hours. There are times when the dance will not sustain you in the midst of the raging seas. When the doctors look at you and they say things like, you know what, it's inoperable. Or they look at you and they say it's terminal. Or they look at you and say, you know what, you've got three months to live, get your affairs in order. You see, when you go through those dark times of life, you better have a faith that is deeper than the emotional stimuli of just making me feel good. Because when they look at you and say it's terminal, that there's no hope, that there's nothing else can be done. When the bank comes in and says, we're sorry, we're taking your house back. When the employer comes around and says, sorry, but your services are not needed anymore. You need something deeper than that, that emotional stimuli. You need something that will cause you to square your shoulders and to look up into heaven and say, but I know in whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You need something deeper than that. You've got to have it. Listen, there has to be more than shallow emotions. And see, this is what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. That if we want to grow deeper in our faith and closer with God, then it's going to cost us. We've got to count the cost. What is the cost? Well, here you go. He gave us three things. The first cost is this. You you have to deny yourself. Everybody say deny. Deny. That's not popular. (laughs) Because you know what it means? It means saying no. (laughs) No. And nobody likes to say no. It's a tough message. Again, it lost Jesus' crowd, and it loses crowds today. But if you grab hold of the truth, you'll never be the same. Jesus said, if you really want to get to first base and be my disciple, then you have to learn how to say no to yourself. So, So really, what does that mean? Well, again, it just simply means saying no to you and saying yes to God. That, that, that's it. This is, again, it's a tough thing to do for humans, especially in Western culture, because we feel like it ought to be about us. Amen. We do. We feel like it has to be about us. I mean, think about my wishes, my preferences, my likes, my this, my that, you know, and and if it's not about me, I'm going to pack up my toys and I'm going to go somewhere else. That's the culture that we live in today. The American church, you think about it, the American church has, has been preaching for the last 50 years a humanistic gospel that preaches a selfish message. A self-centered, selfish message. The world says, make yourself number one. Jesus said, deny yourself. The world says, make yourself the big shot. Jesus said, humble yourself and become a servant to all men. The world says to make up your own rules and live by your own truth. Boy, isn't that the mantra today? Live by your own truth. Jesus said, Abide in my word. Those two are polar opposites and they'll never mix. See, that's why you have churches today that are confused, that are now condoning what God has condemned, because they're confused. Because they're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. They're trying to mix what cannot be mixed. It's like oil and water. My Bible doesn't say try to have one foot in and one foot out. The Bible says come out from among the world and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Again, that's discipleship. Listen, if we, if we want to tap into kingdom of living, we have to learn how to say no to ourselves and say yes to God. You see, there's a point where Mike Mizell has to grab hold of what I think and say no to it and say yes to God. I told the early servant, I didn't, I didn't want to be a preacher. I, was, I know I was called at an early age, but I didn't want to be a preacher. Part of the reason I joined the military was because I didn't want to be a preacher. My wife said she would not marry a military man or a preacher. <laughs> didn't want anything to do with it. But there came a point in, bar- in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas, in January 1985, where Mike Mizell had to say no. When my, when that faith, my parents' faith, all of a sudden became my faith, I had to say no to my dreams and my ambitions and to say yes to God. And guess what? He made me a preacher. (laughs) That's the rest, that's, as Paul Harvey says, and that is the rest of the story. But what I'm saying is that that's, that's denying yourself. Saying no. I mean, again, I have to learn how to say no to temptations in my life. I have to learn how to say no. Even if I feel I have aptitude for it, I've got to say no to me and yes to God. It means keeping myself unspotted from the world. Denying myself means giving up the right to be offended. woo that preached today. You know, Jesus said one of the earmarks of the last days, people would be offended, And boy, is that happening. Man, we got feelings all over our shoulders and they get knocked off all the time. Give up that right. Say no to those feelings that flood you when you have been done wrong. It means saying no to, again, our ambitions and our dreams and saying yes to God uh, and His dreams and visions for your life. Remember, you were born on purpose with purpose. It's learning how to say no to what you wanted, to say yes to God. You know what it also means, and this is speaking to a younger crowd right now, it means that you may have to give up that relationship if it leads you away from Christ and His plans for you. Well, preacher, I love Him. Doesn't matter. Well, but she's the one. I know, preacher, she's the one for me. If they lead you away from Jesus, they're not the one. That's it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) That's it. But learning how to deny yourself. Jesus said, if you really want to be my disciple, you've got to say no to that. Yourself. This message lost Jesus' crowd, and there are many in Christianity today that don't want to hear this type of message. But we can't get to first base until we settle the lordship issue. Who's Lord of my life? And for those who grab hold of that truth, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Number two, he said, take up your cross. Now, here is the thing about a cross; it's kind of difficult to think about it because today we use cross, uh, we use a cross as an as a, as a piece of jewelry, as a, it, it, a, you know, an ornate piece of jewelry or something we hang on our walls. They're 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 pretty to look at, but but at the time this was spoken, crosses weren't very pretty. They weren't pretty. And the symbolism of the cross was not pretty. In fact, a cross means rejection and mockery and death. That's what a cross means. It means being ridiculed and misunderstood, but that is the second cost of discipleship. What I mean by that is that when you make up your mind to be a disciple of Jesus, not everybody's going to be doing cartwheels for you. That's the truth. In fact, if you sell out to Jesus and become a disciple, there'll be people that will look at you and they will say, now calm down, you don't have to get so fanatical. You don't have to get carried away now. Not everybody's going to be happy about it. When you decide to follow Jesus, they're not going to be overjoyed. In fact, some people, the truth is they will disassociate from you. Anybody had that experience before? They will disassociate from you. Friends that you once had will no longer want to be your friends. People that you once hung out with will no longer want to hang out with you. Pay the price anyway. Pay the price anyway. That's a cost. Jesus said, take up your cross, not your candy stick. Across means suffering and persecution. And again, nobody wants to hear that today. We want to hear how make Jesus your choice, drive a Rolls Royce. We want to hear the prosperity message that if you follow Jesus, you'll never have an overdrawn bank account again. You'll never have a late bill. You'll never run out of gas. You'll never, that's not the message. Again, I, I'm just sharing with you because Jesus preached the message that lost him his crowd. But he said, look, those of you that get a hold of this, in fact, he preached this message with such conviction And the people left him. There was one place where the Bible says he looked over his disciples and he said, Hey, will you leave me too? Are you going to walk away too? I think the the 21st century church needs, again, to understand what it means to be a disciple. To go all in. See, we've got too many today that are wanting to split the fence. He didn't call, that's not the gospel. Paul said to the Galatians, if I come to you or even an angel from heaven preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. If somebody comes up and says you can have one foot in the world, one foot in the church, you run as far away from them as you possibly can because that is not the gospel message. He never taught us a partial commitment. We're either all in or we're all out. I'm either all for him or I'm all against him, as the old timers would say. That's it. Listen, our American way of life has guaranteed us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And anything about suffering, we don't want to hear that, right? Not, not, not hardly. Suffer? No, I'm, I think again, man, again, not very popular, but this is the truth. This is the price of following Jesus, you know, again, I wish I could stand here and tell you that if you make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you'll never have another bad day, you'll never have another bad experience in life, you'll never have another disappointment in life. I wish I could tell you that, but I wish I could tell you Christians are exempt from hardships of life, but it's not true. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.29, for unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but to suffer for His sake. Again, we don't like to hear that. We don't want to go through tough times. But you need to understand this morning, and I'll be honest with you, you're going to hurt. You're going to experience hurts. You're going to face curveballs from time to time. There are going to be times when the utilities get turned off. There'll be times when the money runs out before the month runs out. There'll be times when the doctor says there's nothing that can be done. There'll be times when That husband walks in and says, I don't love you anymore. That wife walks in and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. There'll be times when that child walks in and says, I reject the God that you serve. There'll be times when your child may walk in and say, you know what? I think God made me a mistake. I should have been a girl instead of a boy. There'll be tough times. There'll be tough times. For unto you is given on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but to suffer. There'll be times when you get passed over for promotion at work because you're a christian what did jesus say he said marvel not when the world hates you marvel not at this don't be overwhelmed by this go ahead and make up your mind that when it comes when people mock you when they ridicule you when they throw when life throws you a curveball this is the cost of being a disciple are you willing to be a disciple of jesus can you deny yourself can you take up your cross and the third thing is this, follow Jesus. Look at what he said. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Hard to do, right? Because today we want to deny, if, if we get to that point of denying ourselves, he didn't say take up your cross and follow John Hagee. Or Steve Furt, Furt, the tick, Furtick, whatever his name is, T.D. Jakes, Myers, Billy Graham, Swaggart. He didn't didn't say follow them. He said follow me. Follow me. That's tough. I I mean, think about it. We're so celebrity-driven in our society. Amen? I mean, people today travel great distances and do stupid things to be around famous people. I remember several years ago, I was flying back from Miami. That was one of the trips. I was in Cuba. And I had a layover in Miami, and I was sitting there waiting for the plane to take off. And I looked out there, and there was just a mass of people gathered around this particular individual sitting there. And I thought, wow, who is that? And so I kind of stand there on the side, kind of watching a little bit, and come to find out it was Pudge Rodriguez, uh, retired catcher of the Texas Rangers. And there were people snapping pictures and they're wanting to get his autograph and things like that. And I just stood there and watched and, and we get on a plane and we happen to sit next to each other. And uh, so as we are flying back, I looked at him, I said, does that ever get old? And he had, he had a big grin come on his face and he said, he said, oh, it's the fans that allowed me to do the, the thing I wanted to do all my life, to play baseball. And he said, I love my fans. I said, that's not what I ask you. I said, does it get old? Kind of looked at me and said, Yeah, you know, sometimes it does. It's hard to go. And my point is, we we flock to celebrities. We want to be around celebrities. Even in Christendom, even in the church, we created this celebrity circuit. But Jesus said the true cost of discipleship is not in following them, it's in following me. That's a disciple. It's living like I lived. It's speaking as I speak. It's doing what I would do. I I love that little bracelet thing they had many years ago, WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do or what did Jesus do? You know, that's what discipleship is. I mean, think about it. They grab Jesus, okay? They grab him, they begin to hit him and spit upon him. What does Jesus do? He said, Father, forgive them, follow Jesus. They take him outside and they take their battle-hardened fists, slam him against the wall, and they take their battle-hardened fist and they begin to pummel him and say, hey, prophesy, who hit you? Jesus says nothing. Follow Jesus. They take him over to a skilled Roman soldier that is gifted with the ability of using the cat of nine tails. They strip him, tie him up, and 39 lashes with an expert whipping Jesus. And he is speechless. Follow Jesus. They take him to Calvary and they lay him down on that cross and they took nails and they drove into his arms and his feet. And they hung him up and dropped him into that hole. And that jarring of that cross sending pain up and down his body. And he He says not a word other than, Father, forgive them. Follow Jesus. They walk back and forth in front of that cross, mocking him, saying you claim to save others. If you're the Son of God, come down and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Follow Jesus. See, it's not as easy as it is, as it sounds, right? Follow Jesus. When you're talked about, you don't respond in bitterness. When you're lied about, you bless. When you're cursed, you pray for them. When you're hated, you love them. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. See, now you understand why it cost him his crowd. Because as long as Jesus was performing, as long as Jesus was pulling the miracles out of the hat, he was meeting the basic need. Everybody wanted to be around him. But he said, at some point, you've got to get off of that stuff. How did Paul describe discipleship? He said, you know, you ought to be craving the meat. But many still need the bottle. That's really essentially what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. He said, it's one thing. Listen, when we're infants, we consume the bottle. That's how we're nourished. That's how we're fed of the sustenance of life. That's how we get it. But as that baby grows, that baby's going to want a T-bone. And that progression would be such that at some point that baby can eat a T-bone. Why is it that when it comes to the spiritual maturation, why is it still acceptable for someone who ought to be gnawing on a T-bone to still be sucking on a bottle? You're like, preacher, I didn't come to hear a message like this today. (laughs) Well, but again, there's a cost. And we talk about what we want God to do for us, and we talk about our vision and our plan for the future, and how we want to see revival come, and all of these things. But I, what I'm telling you is that Jesus got up and said, "Look, if you really want all of that stuff," Jesus said in John ten ten, "The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy." He said, "But I'm come that you might have what life and have it in all of its abundance." You can't tap into the abundance that He's provided unless you are a disciple, and discipleship comes by learning how to say no to yourself, my dreams, my ambitions. I mean, I, I, one of our heroes, we, I, I, need to, I need to get our heroes back through the church again, missionaries. Our hero, I love missionaries. I love, I love the, their commitment to deny. Many of them live in places that, that we, we, we wouldn't stay, we wouldn't go to. They're not resort towns and villages. Many of them are just living out there doing what Jesus called them to do. They said no to the pleasures of life to the comforts of life. I'm not here to guilt anybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying Jesus got up and started preaching a message after, again, everybody wanted to be around him, and, and that was fine and that was good. They liked the excitement. I love to come in. I love the excitement. I love to feel the doodads and the God bumps up and down my spine. But at some point, every day I'm reminded I need more faith than just the emotional stimuli. When I get my wife out of bed every morning, get her situated for the day, I need more than emotional stimuli. I need something that's deep and something that's anchored. You know, Jesus described the story of two men building their house. And he said, one man built his house upon the sand. And again, in my mind, I picture it would be in the same building. I think they used the same plans. They built this house. And the rain came and the storms, which life happens to do quite often. The wind came and the rain, and it it hit against that house. And the Bible says, and the house fell down down and great was its fall why because it was built on a shoddy foundation but another man a wise man came and built his house upon the rock and again i pictured the same prince maybe even the same contractor building this house and put 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 all the details in the foundation getting everything ready and the wind came and the rain came again neither one of them were exempt from the wind and the rain it came against both of them but the house stood because it was founded on a firm foundation. Listen, I want our Bethel family to be established on a firm foundation of discipleship that is more and deeper than just the, the feel-good stuff. I love to feel good. I love to preach messages that get people ready to tackle the world and feel like they got the devil on the run. I love those type of messages. But, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded that there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to going deep in the things of God, and if you're willing to pay it, then they're... so. So, when I went into the military, I'm going to close with this. Guys, come on back. I'm going to wrap this up. When I went into the military, I again, I was I didn't want to be a preacher. Again, I, I had to learn how to say no to to me. I wanted to. I, I was running from God. You know my story. I don't have time to share the whole thing. So I, I was running from God. I ended up going to the military. And I went into the military. I'd been dating a girl for four years. We were engaged. I was a year ahead of her. And so the plan was I was going to get in the military, get all my training done. She was going to graduate. We were going to get married and live happily ever after. That was the plan. For four years, we talked about it. That was the dream. I get into the military, you've got to understand, Isaiah 59 says, the arm of the Lord is not short that he cannot reach you. I was running from the call, running from God, didn't want anything to do with being a preacher. I was mad at God. I was mad at God. But you know what? Even in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas, you can't outrun God. Long story short, I knelt beside a bunk, committed my life to Christ. You've heard me say this before. My famous words were this, I'm in the military now, God. What are you going to do about it? Isn't that brazen and all, the audaciousness of that? Don't have time to tell you that story, but God said, "Okay, watch this." <laughs> and God began to arrange my life. He came in; my, he, it became my faith. I go; I get changed. My job gets changed in the military. I end up going into uh, to a different field that that I didn't even know they existed in the Air Force. I graduate the uh, special ops school there in Florida. I get sent to an army base. Again, my mind, I'm, I'm swimming because I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking, what in the world is an Air Force guy doing on an army base? I go out with this girl that I've been engaged to for four years, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt she wasn't the one. That was my first test of discipleship. Are you willing to say no to self and yes to God? I had to cut that relationship off after investing four years. It may not seem like a big deal, but it was a big deal to me. Because now I'm I'm in the military. I'm in a different state. I'm in an army base. I don't know anything about it. I'm lonely. I'm confused. But I'm still following Jesus. Sever that relationship. I don't know what God's got going on. I find a church in Leesville, Louisiana, First Assembly of God. Started attending there, started working in the church when I wasn't deployed, and I met a brunette. And we dated less than two months, and we've been married almost 37 years. So here, here's my point when I denied myself and I started taking up my cross and following Jesus. Those things that I was pursuing prior to became a reality in my life. You understand what I'm saying? The things that I was pursuing on my own when I said, okay, God, I'll step back and I'll let you take charge. I'm a humble servant. All of a sudden, the desires of my heart became a reality because he was in charge. What I'm saying is that when we learn how to say no to ourselves, And take up our cross and follow Jesus those things that we desire even though right now we think it's this God knows what we need and he knows what we want and if I start following him he has a way I mean he took a a mobile Alabama boy put him in the air force sent me to an army base in a place I'd never been before to meet a Louisiana woman (laughs) I couldn't even have planned that but he did it. Amen. I said the same thing. Thank you, Jesus. And then sometimes it's, why me, Lord? Why did I ever? No, I didn't. I'm... That... <laughs> that came out of my mouth. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I got to close. <laughs> no. There is a cost to discipleship, but here's the thing. The cost is never more than the rewards that await. The life that you want, the life that you desire, it can be found in surrender. It's counterintuitive. Doesn't make sense on any level. Jesus said to find your life, you have to lose it. Won't ever make sense. But if you'll do it, you'll find the validity of what Jesus was saying. Don't you stand with me this morning. If any man will come after me, let him deny yourself, take up your cross... And follow me. Here's the thing. We've one, the caution that we have in the 21st century church is we become very good at, comp- uh, com- what is it, compartmentalizing our lives. What I mean by that is we hang up, we hang these, God, you can have everything but. God, I'll do anything except. I'll go anywhere but. You know, we, we, we hang up these no trespassing signs, on certain parts of our life. Listen, you can't be his disciple if you do that. A discipleship, again, Jesus never taught a partial commitment. He never, he never taught taught us to, I don't know, even know where that came from. How about sticking our toe in just to feel the temperature if that, if it's worth diving in? He never taught that. Jesus was an all-in guy. You're either for me or you're not. You're either with me or you're not. You're either hot or you're cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out. The world today demands discipled believers who are all in. It's a hard commitment. But in making that commitment, your dreams will become a reality because you've settled the lordship issue. And as I close this morning, that's the question I want to ask you who's Lord of your life? Who's Lord of your life? Do you make decisions and plans without ever consulting God and asking God? Do you just go on your merry way and never give second thought about what God is wanting to happen in your life? Jesus said, look, you can't be my disciple. You've got to be willing to let it all go. Let me take the reins, and I'll steer you where you need to be. And if you meet somebody that has done that, again, living proof, what I thought I lost, I'm more than gained for. The life that I dreamed and imagined prior to rededicating my life to the Lord, when I when I that life I dreamed of, it's been eclipsed by the life God has given to me. Because I said no to my desires. Was it was it hard? Absolutely. First six months of my assignment there in Louisiana I'll be honest with you was like hell on earth because I had identified as a believer as a Christian and those guys that I worked with they were tough and they were mean and they didn't want any they, they thought Christians were weak and for six months I was alone until I met Sheila I was alone they didn't want to associate with me I'd go do my job and then I'd go back to the barracks and that's where I was After six months of being there, doing my work, they began to open up, invite me into their, in their own way, their fellowship, if you will. By my two and a half years tenure there, when I left to go to Germany, I'd led three of them to the Lord, just because I took up my cross. I didn't fit the mold of what that job required. I didn't fit the stereotype of what it required, but yet I could do the job as well, if not better than most of them. I denied myself, I took up my cross and I followed Jesus. Do I have any regrets? Not one, not one. I I wanna live my life, the rest of my life in that same vein of denying self, taking up my cross following jesus so who's lord of your life are you willing to pay the price this morning the altar time is simply this if you're here today say you know pastor i want to make that commitment of being a disciple of jesus i'm not asking you if you're a believer i'm asking you are willing to be a disciple are you willing to pay the price to go beyond one level to another level if you are i have not seen here not heard i know that's that's the way I feel. You, you can't even imagine what God has in store for you. So while they sing this morning, if you're here today, say, you know what, Pastor? I want to renew my commitment to God, of Christ. I want to renew my, uh, my commitment to being a disciple of Christ's follower. As they sing, would you come this morning? Would you make that just your time of, of just self-dedication? If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you as well. Would you come this morning? I the answer right there. The answer is not outside of a relationship with him. The answer is Jesus. Father, today we love you so much. Thank you that the answer to all of our questions is Jesus. And we need you more. Every moment of every day we need you. Lord, I pray that you would help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to be willing to pay that price to be a disciple. Lord, not just merely know you as an acquaintance, but to know you as Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn what it is to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Lord, you go ahead of us and you make the crooked way straight. Lord, you bring up the valleys. You tear down mountains. You remove obstacles. You lead us through the deep, dark valleys of life. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, help us to learn what it is to be that disciple. Lord, let us be the seasoning and the salt of the earth to shine our light so that others would see and glorify you the work that is done. Now, Father, I bless each one today. I pray as we walk out of here today, may we walk out determined to be your disciple, determined to pay the price, to, be, to count the cost, and to be willing. Give us a great day. Should you, Terry, give us a wonderful week this week. Every day this week, put people in our pathway that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you.
1: that welcomes me the kindness of mercy that ball with blood wholehearted